0: Jen Cooper, The Keeper, here ready for the next episode of the Mix Zone Women's Soccer Podcast. This is episode number 326. And with that number, we'll give a shout out to Jessica McDonald of the North Carolina Courage. McDonald played 326 minutes for the U.S. Women's National Team back in 2019, recording one goal and one assist and making one appearance at the 2019 Women's World Cup she is tied with teammate lynn williams for all-time nwsl regular season assists with 25 and she will likely start saturday's nwcell game on big cbs and when i say big cbs i mean you know regular cbs just trying to differentiate from cbs sports all right two chats today first uh had a great talk with betsy haw director of operations for the new uslw league that will launch in 2020 And it is new, but at the same time, it's a relaunch of the W League that USL ran from 1995 to 2015. Um, That league was called Pro-Am, Pro-Amateur, was a mix of pro and amateur. This one is going to be all amateur, or fancier term, pre-professional. So it will be complementary to the NWSL and not um, a competitor to the NWSL. And then I spoke with Racing Louisville President Brad Estes about the launch of the team so far, their cool stadium, the Women's Cup they're hosting this summer, and a lot more. Um, so much great stuff happening with Louisville. And hopefully we'll see more of that out west next year. And of course, there will be a Splaner segment in the middle of this episode about national team replacement players. And don't forget to follow me on social media at Keeper Notes and at Mix Zone. Always two X's in Mix Zone. All right, Jen Cooper, the Keeper here with Betsy Haw of the newly announced USL W League. Betsy, tell me your title like do you have a new fancy office in corporate america somewhere or i mean this is this is exciting for you
1: yeah, it's been a very exciting week for us as we've finally been able to share with the world our plans for the the USLW League. And so my title is uh, Director of Operations for the W League. And I will get back with you on the office comment. We actually are still working remotely, so I have not even relocated to headquarters down in Tampa yet, but that will be coming within the next month.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good. So, so you, can, you can custom design your office now. Um, well, tell us a little bit about yourself, like how you, you know, what what your soccer background is and how you ended up with USL
1: yeah happy to I've been a soccer player my whole life starting you know in elementary school all the way through college have not played much since then um, in the organized capacity but still follow the game very closely from as a fan and now as an executive I've been working with USL since January of this year brought in specifically to work on this women's league project and it's been a very exciting ride so far
0: so what led you know, the league, USL, rather I got the, the umbrella over several leagues actually, um, to, to go forward with this now?
1: Yeah, there's a variety of factors that make us really excited about re-entering the women's space now and, and in preparation for kickoff in 2022. Of course, USL has been involved in the women's game before. We operated the W League for about 20 years from 95 to 2015. And then also we're involved in the female game at the youth level with our Super Y League as well since 1999. So the interest in the women's game has always been there for us at USL. And when you look at it from a gender equity perspective as well, we knew that this is something that we wanted to get back into and be able to do it the right way and bring the full breadth of the USL resources infrastructure-wise from HQ, from across our clubs, all of those resources into helping grow the women's game. And then, of course, as you know, and as, as any listener of this show will know, it's such an exciting time for women's sports and women's soccer particularly has seen tremendous growth recently. Um, we're so excited to contribute to that with this league and bring our clubs into the fold, give them an opportunity to bring this elite level women's soccer to their communities and create more fans for the game as well. And
0: that's a really good point uh, because it's not like creating a a league from scratch where USL already has, you know, s- several different leagues, right? So it's what, USL Pro, USL 2, I think it's called, you know, like you said, the Super Wiley, like, like there's already this infrastructure, right? And, and you look at teams like um, Louisville, you know, that Louisville city, the men's team added racing Louisville and NWSL, but you have so many USL teams out there, clubs out there that they could now add a women's team. And if they don't have the investment to do NWSL, they can do W league. And, and like I said, it's like, it's a way to help existing clubs bring in more fans and, and bring in more revenue. And you're helping the game at the same time.
1: Exactly. We, you know, part of the reason that we are being in a position to relaunch this W League is is largely due to the interest of our owners throughout the USL ecosystem on the men's side. For years now, they've been asking when a W League would be coming back to the to to the USL, how they could get involved in that and really been very vocal in an exciting way about their interest in the women's game. And and with the clubs that we were actually able to announce on our announcement day, um you know, thinking about who we have in that group, Greenville, they're adding a women's team for the first time. Queensboro, when they launch, they'll be launching their championship men's team and their W League team for their inaugural seasons in the same year. And there's so many other examples of that in the ways that we're able to work with our owners who have this strong interest in the women's game and bring that to a competitive level in 2022.
0: So I- explain for my listeners um, how W League is different uh, than NWSL, how it's not a competitor to NWSL, but it's it's putting in another piece of the puzzle in, in the greater women's soccer picture.
1: Yeah, that's a perfect way to describe it. We we look at our relationship with NWSL, the national team, um, the professional ranks as being complementary forces. So what we are is we are an elite pre-professional league, meaning that we will be helping to fill a void and provide more opportunity in that pipeline between collegiate competition and professional competition. So you can have a favorite W League team and you can have a favorite NWSL team and be a fan of the women's game working at looking at how our leagues will complement each other. We look forward to the day where we and we already do this with alumni from the the first iteration of the W League, but we look forward to the day where we can say that our players came through the W League starting in 2022 and beyond, wound up on an NWSL team, wound up playing for the national team or a national team camp and really celebrate the impact that this league had on their development at the pre-professional level.
0: And that's such an important space to fill because Um, you think about college players who, you know, come out of college, don't get drafted, um, don't get on an NUSL team immediately. There hasn't really been many places for them to go unless they go abroad. Right. But that means that, uh, all right, here's, here's a space or that college player, uh, you know, when it's off season in, in, in the summer, can they get, you know, high level competition to increase their chances of, of, of being seen for the U-20 national team or the senior national team. Um, Do you think we'll see any formal partnerships between a USL club? I mean, you know, their W League club and, and an NBSL team, or is that still all to be determined?
1: Yeah, I'll say there's still a lot to be determined in that ranks, but one of the things that we found most exciting, and I personally found most exciting in the development of this league so far, is that it really embodies the collaborative spirit of the women's game, and we know that the community surrounding the game is just really fun to be a part of, and everyone's united around that mission to grow the women's game, to support our women's athletes, and give everybody the opportunity to succeed and to play the game they love, or coach the game they love, or work in the game that they love, Um, so you know, it might be a little too early to say any specifics on that, but certainly we'll keep that collaborative spirit at the heart of everything that we do.
0: And and this may be looking way too far ahead, but you know, would the games of the W League be you know streamed in the way that uh, you know we're seeing more and more leagues jump onto to online streaming?
1: Absolutely. We, we're working through that from an operational perspective, um, and we hope to have more to be able to share. You know, as we get closer to 2022, we, we will have more to be able to share at that point. Um, but we're looking at all of the different options that are out there from a streaming perspective because we know that more access to the game for fans is key or for young players to be able to watch and see something to aspire to. So as we continue to look through the different broadcasting and streaming options we have, it's top of mind for us to make access to the W league as easy as possible for our fans.
0: And when you talk about the W league as a pre-professional league, um, in in my mind, that says that, you know, the, the, the old school phrase of pro-am, which is such a weird phrase, like pro amateur, but it's like, it means that uh, a player who needs to maintain an amateur status, like a current NCAA player can play in this league without their status being compromise correct am i am i understanding that correctly
1: you're you're correct in the way that it affords an option to collegiate players um it will be an amateur league so not pro-am just straight okay and that's where where you use that term pre-professional but yes we've done that for a couple of reasons one of which is knowing that a lot of our you know, top women's talent or girls' talent in this country still enjoys the opportunity to go compete collegiately. And we want to make sure that they have the opportunity to do that and we respect their eligibility.
0: And and I think that that opportunity is so important because un- unlike this year where women's c- college soccer lasted basically the whole year, um, you know, normally it's just that fall season where it's what preseason from mid-August, you know, if you're lucky, you play past late October, you know, some people into the first weekend of December, but that's it, right? You've got a little bit of, of spring soccer, but it's not formal. And because you're NCAA, it's highly restrictive as where you can play elsewhere. And it's important in soccer. Soccer really is more of a year round sport where you need to be, you know, staying fit, staying match fit, getting other games, especially at a young age to develop. So I, I think, you know, the existence of something like this, uh, you know, like say it's like to get those games without compromising your NCAA eligibility, without having to put, um, you know, a player in a position of, well, what do I have to go pro? It's like, but maybe I'm not ready to go pro. I just need more experience.
1: Right. And our schedule, our competition calendar will work in conjunction with NCAA scheduling and also with just general class schedules, right? So we'll be looking at that early to mid May start time, and then making sure that we complete our playoffs and our final before the majority, if not all, of our players are asked to return to college for pro or for preseason. We we don't want to see a team, you know, dominate the league and then lose all their players before the final gets here. We want to make sure that that <laughs> competition can can remain as as fierce as we want it to and as our players want it to and respect the work that they put in. So our calendar does work in conjunction in those summer months to make sure that we are working with um, our college players.
0: Now, some of the existing, um, you know, amateur women's clubs out there uh, that may be playing, you, you know, in other leagues, could they, if they wanted to, you know, reach out to W league and say, Hey, we want to be part of that. Is that, is that something that's a possibility?
1: Our, our league membership is comprised of, um, as we announced on, on June 8th, you know, we've had two teams from the championship of USL, two teams from USL League One, or rather three teams from League One, excuse me, and one from League Two, plus expansion markets. So our opportunities to compete in this league are, are pretty open for, for youth clubs that might want to get involved, people currently operating, women's teams, whatever it may be. You know, this league is looking forward to welcoming expansion clubs. One of ours, actually the group out of Minnesota, they're bringing women's soccer to that market for the first time in the amateur in the amateur field. So we're very excited about that.
0: Yes, I've seen some of their announcements. They are very excited about that.
1: (laughs) Yes, they're they're doing a great job, and we're we're thrilled to see the buzz that they've created in their market.
0: So, do we have any more like dates on the horizon that you know of, like when you know, like coaches have to be hired or logos revealed or is that just way too far in the future still?
1: It's in the future, but it also varies by club tremendously. So we have some clubs that have already started identifying, you know, what they may want to look for in a coach. We have clubs that have already consulted with some branding experts. We have clubs that are going to keep the same branding that they use on their men's side or just slightly tweak it within the same color scheme or name. Um, So there's a a large variety there in terms of what clubs are doing. Um, But that what makes it all the more exciting is we've got about 11 months, 10 months until this league will kick off. And these announcements will continue to come really throughout that year and continue to draw buzz and excitement towards the league and our clubs.
0: Well, Betsy, I'm just I'm so excited about this because there there was a hint of this last year right before the um, before the shutdown that I, I remember there was some USL announcement is that they w- they had announced Angela Hughes is like someone who would focus on trying to develop this. Right right and then so just you know everything was negated so i was very excited to to see this announcement and you know like you and i have both said already it's i, I think it's important for people to understand that it's it's a piece of the bigger puzzle it's not a uh, a competitor to NWSL it's complementary to NWSL and just, just a natural progression, I think, for the women's game. And I also love hearing from you that it's something that USL owners have been saying for a while. It's like, when are we getting the women's league again? When are we getting the women's league again? That's wonderful.
1: Yeah, that's been very exciting for us. And and as we've had these discussions with the, the eight clubs that we announced, as well as, you know, more clubs that we've been in discussion with, everybody's really united around that same mission that the league is built on, which is to provide more opportunities for women, to give them more opportunities and, and advance gender equity in that regard as well. And then also focusing on really this holistic player development of making sure that while it might be amateur or pre-professional soccer, we can do it in professional situations where we have professional level accommodations, amenities are up there and they're top notch and doing this in a way that makes an environment in which players want to play in summer after summer. And our league owners have really embraced that. And in some regards led the charge in terms of thinking, you know, shooting for the stars of the way that they can position their clubs to best welcome in this top level women's talent.
0: Uh, And I think it's important, uh, you know, you you mentioned, you know, top level, you know, benefits um, that one of the things I realized uh, in the last few years is there's a lot of college players coming into NWSL that had um, more resources, more perks, more facilities at their college games that they were having in NWSL because they were coming from some of those power conferences, right? and yes. you know so you have to make sure it's 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 like it's got to be a professional environment even if the league itself is pre-professional
1: right and and that's what we think about the ways that we can invest in the women's game and our owners can invest in the women's game and it goes beyond Just, you know, those financial resources to making sure that we're investing resources, time, attention, and we're paying attention to these things that will really make a big difference in the environment in which our players are competing and the environments in which our competitions are held. And really, we've been very encouraged, as I said, to see our owners Well, we'll jump back, you know, to the Greenville Triumph example. They're working on a new stadium. They've been very excited to share that. And and what they've told us is that, you know, the men's team and the women's team still have the same locker rooms. They'll have the same access to the facilities. They'll be doing things in the same way. And that's what's really going to help the women's game grow.
0: Well, and. talk about um the decision to use the name uh w league i mean it was a no-brainer to me in that that was the previous name of the league operated by usl um you know but we are at a point you know in women's sports where it's like sometimes i feel like does everything have to have a w in it which is like the most awkward letter when you think about like you know World Wide Web is really easy to say, but if you say WWW, it's like it's like the longest letter, right? So talk about the decision to, to stick with the, the original name.
1: Yeah, that that was something that we spent a good bit of time discussing. And it wasn't just internally. We spoke with the folks on our gender equity subcommittee, which is an extension of USL's impact committee. And and we wanted to really pick their brains and see what they thought was best in that group. uh, It's been phenomenal for us. They've really been a good sounding board, really. Um, Shannon McMillan, US Women's National Team World Champion is is in that group for us. Obviously, she's working um, with the San Diego Loyal of the USL Championship. And then we Mike Geddes from the Oakland Roots, Chanel Weiss from New Mexico United, and we've had good representation from across the USL ecosystem of people that are really passionate about the women's game and gender equity, and we asked this question to them, as we did so many others internally and in a few other stakeholder situations of do we want, you know, the W or the women's moniker, that gender identifier attached to the name of the league? And, and we had a lot of good discussion about it where we considered, you know, pros and cons, did a bit of a SWOT analysis, if you will, of the opportunities and the threats that might come with it. And really, it goes back to something that I shared earlier in the podcast, which is the amount of tremendous excitement that's surrounding the women's game. And we've seen people really lean into the W in a variety of different ways with different leagues and different teams and celebrate women and want to call attention to that. So ultimately we did land as everyone can knows and can tell, you know, on W league. And we're very excited to be able to celebrate women and use that W as a way to, to signal that this league is here for women, for the W, and it's going to make a tremendous impact in the women's game and for all who love it.
0: Well, Betsy, I'm so excited for you and, 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 for USL and, and for the W League that will launch next year. And, you know, good luck with all of the hard work that you have ahead of you in the next year.
1: Thank you. We are excited as well. Appreciate the opportunity to speak with you about the W League today and look forward to kicking off in about a year.
0: Time for a little Jens planning and today's topic will be NTRs, in other words, national team replacement players. As we start seeing players depart for the Olympics, NWSL clubs are allowed to sign NTRs in replace of those players so that they keep a minimum of 22 players on their active roster at all times, maximum, of course, being 28. So you can sign an NTR at any time during the year if you have an international player who's away on international duty. You can't sign an NTR just because an international player is injured. It has to mean they're called away, they're not available, they're not with your club to play. Uh, The nice thing about NTRs now, compared to just uh, the last Olympic cycle, these are no longer amateur players, they are actually paid, they get the minimum salary, their housing is taken care of, a um, lot more support for these players than there used to be. And when you think about uh, that, we're going to have two new NWCL teams in 2022 for a lot of these players with this, this extended Olympic window coming up. Um, in a way, it's a, an audition Uh, for those teams uh, to get minutes and and show what you can do so you know get offered a contract or be picked in an expansion draft or all that great stuff so if you see ntr you hear national team replacement player those are players who are filling in for the national teamers while they are at the olympics um, or any other international commitment like that All right. Jen Cooper, the keeper here with Brad Estes, president of Racing Louisville, also Louisville City. Brad, um, such an exciting year for you guys. I mean, I was making a list of all the things I wanted to ask you about, and and it's a pretty nice list of highlights. So, I mean, how are you feeling right now?
2: It's It's been a crazy year and a half almost, I guess you would say, with COVID and bringing a new team into the NWSL and opening a new stadium. And I think we're finally getting to the point now, and well, quite literally for us tomorrow, uh, we have our grand opening event at our new stadium where we'll have our first full capacity game. So we are on the uptick and we are very excited to, to be where we are.
0: So let's let's back up a little bit and talk about the the first few home games in in April for for Challenge Cup. And then, of course, the the regular season opener. Um, you know, I, I love seeing that you guys had a, a vaccination promotion, you know, and that you you had the governor of Kentucky on hand. Talk about
2: that. Yeah, that was something that, that we pulled off in pretty short order. We uh, we worked with the governor's office very closely, you know, since the beginning of the of the pandemic in terms of managing our processes and and uh, managing stadium capacities and 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 so we developed a good relationship um, along those lines and and we 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 just got together to try to figure out how we could we could make an impact and, and the obvious answer was let's let's have a vaccination um, clinic and so when we played the courage. It was on a Monday night. We we basically said anybody that wants to, to get vaccinated, um, you, you can get into the game for free. Um, and we we thought it was a no brainer. Um, it was a beautiful night, and it turned out to be great. I think we we got 150 people vaccinated. I think that night, so um, it was a really good event.
0: Well, and I love watching uh, the Louisville home games. That that venue, it seems so ideally situated. When you're saying it was a lovely night, like 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 it. it it's, it's such a great place within the city. I mean, I haven't even been there and I can tell that it would be really fun to visit.
2: It's, it's really cool. It's just outside the central business district. It's at the intersection of Interstate 71, which goes to Cincinnati, Interstate 65, which goes north and south from Indianapolis to Nashville, and then uh, Interstate 64, which goes to St. Louis and um, actually all the way to Virginia Beach. So it's, it's, it's ideally situated from that perspective because um, a lot of people that, that are just passing through town will get to see um, get to see the venue, and it's, and it's a very unique stadium in terms of its aesthetics. Um, HOK was the architect, and they did a really good job of, of creating something that was uniquely Louisville, which is the, the, the centerpiece, brown uh, bourbon barrel, stave-looking roof. Um, and so w- we, we think that um, over time, when people see that stadium on TV, they will immediately recognize it as the, as the stadium for Louisville City and racing Louisville. Um, you can stumble out the back of the of the stadium and, and you're into the neighborhood of Butchertown, um, which is a, a very cool neighborhood. I would call it an up-and-coming neighborhood, but it's been around for over 100 years. But it's there's a resurgence. Um, it's a neighborhood that has a lot of grit, a lot of really cool uh, coffee shops and, and restaurants and breweries. It's just a great place to be, and we're, we're ecstatic about it.
0: Tell me about the eyelash lights. I mean, is that something that hok suggested to you guys or has a louisville connection or is just a really cool architectural detail
2: it's it's hok they they we we told them we wanted something that was unique um and they came up with this design um that that had the the light towers coming off of the roof in that manner it's extremely um aesthetically pleasing and I, i don't even know if you realize this but the naming rights partner um the lynn family um, and it's called Lynn Family Stadium, and Dr. Lynn is an optometrist. So the <laughs> eyelashes, like it's perfect. That, we should say that, that, that we tied that in together with our naming rights partner, but it would be a bold faced lie. It just <laughs> happens to be a wonderful byproduct of, of great design. Um, and the Lynn family uh, have been awesome partners for us. Um, and we're, uh, we're, it's just fun every time I get to tell that story.
0: Well, and and talk about um, the feeling, you know, in, in the stands and on the sidelines, witnessing Louisville's first win, which was also at home.
2: That was uh, that was emotional. Um, it, you, there's been a lot of blood, sweat, and tears um, from a lot of people. Uh, our staff, our ownership group, who's been extremely um, supportive uh, of us even through the pandemic. They're they're. Putting money into the business to, to build a training ground instead of pumping the brakes and saying let's see how this works you know they, they're they're still putting money in to build training grounds we have you know fans that that showed up in droves for on day one in 2015 when we played St Louis on a beautiful March afternoon we had 6,000 fans on for the first game um, in a town where there'd never been professional soccer before and so you know we were lucky enough early on to have a great Um, a great team on the field coach o'connor and the the boys went all the way to the conference finals that year and so the the steam uh picked up we started started picking up momentum and uh the fans grew the the support of our local government was immense and we immediately started talking about a stadium and and so to see all that come together um and make no mistake about it without our stadium we would not have been in the discussions to, to, to the NWSL, so and that's that's what for me getting the stadium built, having those conversations with with the NWSL ownership group about joining their league, seeing all that come together, fighting through the pandemic, and then to see you know our, our team um, who never quits that they, they are the hardest working. Uh, group that, that, that I've ever seen. Um, and they're playing against a team in Washington that has several international stars. Um, and, and to get that win, it, it's nothing short of emotional for me. Um, you know, the, the first game that we played in the Challenge Cup against Orlando, um, we, we felt like we played well enough to win. And then um, there was a just a magnificent goal uh, by Orlando. And I forget what minute it was, but it was late. And, and late. But there was no fight. And they equalized, and so it's and and you see the same thing. Savannah McCaskill makes a sixty-yard run in extra time against Portland down three, nothing. And it's so so that when you see that level of fight and grit, and you know the weapons that we're adding, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit with Gemma Bonner and Ebony Salmon, and now Nadia Nadim. I'm glad that that's been announced because I've I've almost like ruined the surprise several times. When you see all that come together, it's it's nothing short of emotional. And you're just so happy for, for all the work that's been put in.
0: Well, and I, I think it's exciting for fans of the league, even if they're not Louisville supporters, right? Because it means it's another team. It's another team that came to play, right? Like, the, I, I don't think the league or the fans ever benefit if you have uh, a basement dwelling team, you know, and we've had that in seasons past for a variety of reasons. And so one of the things that I've really enjoyed so far about this season is how competitive Louisville and also Kansas City, which is an expansion team built differently, but still like a last minute kind of team. It, it's like they're in every games, right? So, so it's like it, I think it's just more proof of how competitive, you Know this league is well, and so yeah, let's I mean, talk about trained- those additions. But go ahead, go ahead.
2: Oh, I was just gonna say, I'm sorry, I thought you were done there. I, I what I was gonna say is, I traded some texts with uh Kurt Johnson and Steve Malik, um, who, who are with North Carolina Courage after they right. beat us 5-0, five, and I said, guys, that was just rude, and uh, and they and they laughed. <laughs> We went from ninth place to second place with one win. Welcome to the NWSL, and it's like that—that that is how competitive this league is.
0: Right, right. Well, I—I I like that you guys have a, a friendly texting relationship like that. That's—that's that's always cool to hear the behind-the-scenes stuff. But let's talk about um, the new internationals joining the club. You already had Gemma Bonner on the bench in in, in Portland, and I know I mean Ebony Salman has arrived, and the announcement. Um, earlier this week about Nadia Nadeem which is really exciting. I mean, one, just to have her back in the league, right? Um, but two, that, you know, she's can be such a boost for this young club. And, you know, she's worked with Christy Holly before when, when she was at Sky Blue.
2: Absolutely. So uh, our recruiting process, which I have nothing to do with, by the way, I can take zero credit. It's all Christy and James. Uh, but our recruiting process is, is very detailed. And every player is selected for for very specific reasons. And it's never just about pace or ability to finish or ability to defend the ball in the air. It's, it's about what role are they going to fill in the locker room, in the community? How are they going to fit into the culture? And so, when you talk about Gemma Bonner, Gemma is a player that, by all accounts, has has not been given her due. She she is a better player. Um, anybody would tell you that she's a better player than she's been given credit for, and she is hungry to prove that. Um, and so, we're really excited to have a player of her of her caliber with her experience. Um, To to join our locker room because we know that we're going to get the absolute best that she has to offer. Ebony Salmon, completely different stage of her career, um, unbelievably athletic, quick, great finisher. She also has something to prove, okay? And so when you pair Ebony with a Nadia Nadim and a Yuki Nagasato that are very experienced professionals, um, we we believe that, that that will allow Ebony to grow exponentially and hopefully get into the English national team on a regular basis. And, you know, Nadia Nadeem, anybody that follows women's soccer knows that Nadia Nadeem is an incredible soccer player. She's an incredible human being. Um, Her backstory is enough to bring tears to anybody's eyes. Uh, Right. So. And for me, though, you know, keep in mind, I'm I'm am born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky, and and this is a passion project for me as much as anything, and it's it I don't like it when I hear people talking about the fact that players won't want to come to Louisville, okay? And we work very hard to, to, do, to treat the players great, to give them wonderful facilities. We're opening our new training grounds in, in a couple of weeks. And so w- what I hope people see is that if, if Louisville is good enough for Nadia Nadeem, it's good enough for me. Um, and, and I really believe that that will happen, and it will open the door for, for more uh, international and domestic uh, big-time signings.
0: Well, I mean, I feel you as, as a Houston native, you know, and, and the same, you know, connection to Houston Dynamo and Houston Dash. And having seen over the years major players come into MLS and now NWSL saying, you know, no, I, I will only consider, you know, the West Coast or I'll only consider New York and LA or New York and my right? Where, where it's like it's completely based on perception and not necessarily based on uh, reality or the specifics at all. Right. Um, so I definitely I, I definitely feel your pain when it when it comes to that. And I think it's it's the right move where it's like, you know, the more players you get coming, it starts to um, echo to others. Right. And we know how small the women's soccer community is in terms of the players where it's like you get some talking positively about, wow, this is everything that Louisville is doing for us. And this is my experience. And And you see that venue on the stream and you see the fans and you see, you know, the, the very custom jerseys, I think that's, you know, that's how you turn the corner. I mean, this is not NWSL 1.0 anymore where everybody's in a stock Jersey and, you know, half the fields have football lines on them.
2: Absolutely. No, hundred percent.
0: Well, so let's talk about the other big thing that you guys have been working on. Um, And that's the Women's Cup coming up this August. Um, I was thrilled when I heard this announced because to me, this is a sign of this club isn't joking around. This club is, you know, trying to be trying to go as big as possible. So, you know, bringing in two international teams to have a little four team tournament similar to the, the women's ICC in the very first year, you know, I love that idea, but talk about the genesis of that idea and, and details of what's going to happen in August.
2: Yeah, so I got a call last summer from one of our owners, a gentleman by the name of Gil Holland, um, who's a, a local real estate developer and entrepreneur. Um, and he made made a connection um, with his, I don't know if it's his brother-in-law, and I'll get the, the relationships wrong, but he's an Argentinian uh, gentleman by the name of J.P. Reynold um and so he, there's a connection through the their wives and and so the, the, he he made the connection to JP who um has done friendlies with um, Argentina's national team and um, he, he he said he could bring Messi to our stadium and he told me the price tag and I I choked a bit um but um <laughs> Yeah, we we spoke with uh, we spoke with JP uh, back in the summer, and he came to visit in September. And it was one of those things where it was like, yeah, this would be really cool if we could pull it off, but there will be several hurdles to, to getting it done. But we have to explore it. Um, and and when they came to town and we started talking, it immediately picked up momentum. Um, and, and and we got the deal done pretty quickly. Got the league on board with it. Um, and and I think folks probably don't understand that it. it's a difficult thing for the league uh to to accommodate these types of tournaments with such a tight schedule um and so we really appreciate the support of, of nwsl in getting this done and um yeah I mean it's it's been it's been kind of a whirlwind to be honest because like we got a tentative um, term sheet signed and a contract signed that had all kinds of contingencies in it because we didn't know what was going to happen with COVID and with the amount of money that that goes uh, from from JP's organization to to bring in these international clubs with with flights and Mm -hmm. hotels and appearance fees and things of that nature you know it's it's very very tough to pull off unless you can sell a lot of tickets Um, but, but we feel really good about it and it's again it's one of those things when we did the press conference you know i'm looking at our mainly local media that are at the at the press conference and and a few of them i know follow global football and i'm and i'm looking at them saying, look at the at the logos that are sitting next to our logo Bayern munich and and psg and you know just 18 months before we were playing in a baseball field and and here we are so it's just, it's an incredible thing that I don't know that we'll truly be able to appreciate until, you know, we can kind of step back from it a few years from now to say, we really went from playing, you know, second division American soccer on a baseball field to playing in this wonderful venue against PSG and Bayern Munich. And, and it's uh, it's humbling.
0: Well, in a year ago, you didn't even have a logo that you could have put up with uh, PSG and Bayern.
2: That's true. We, we had <laughs> we would have had eggs thrown at us. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's, that's
0: funny. <laughs> well, and talk about those jerseys. Um, I remember when the announcement was made uh, last summer, I guess we yeah, all when the, when the logo was unveiled during last summer's challenge cup and, and the whole lavender angle of the first, you know, professional club that will have lavender as its primary color i guess i was expecting the home kit to be lavender but what was the idea about going um with the mostly black
2: so uh, matthew wolf uh, was was the designer and he was just phenomenal to work with um and he said do you want me to go for it on this? Do you want a statement, or do you want something that's safe in your first year? It's like, well, let's look at one of each. Um, he said, <laughs> "I've got a great idea for a, for one that makes a statement," um, and and, and he, he showed it to us, and immediately it was absolutely that's what we're doing. I mean, it's if you, if you look at the kit closely, I, I don't know that you've ordered one yet, but. Uh, it, the, the intricacy in, in the kit is, is amazing. And it is a black base, but it has the midnight purple. It has the lavender. Um, it has some white. And it's, you know, but but the little details like the butterflies and the bees that are in the kit, which is a, a tip of the cap to Muhammad Ali. Float like a butterfly and sting like a bee, you know, with, with the butterflies and bees. Flying oh, around I love the that. It's just, it's, it was such a great um uh, piece of art is, is what i would refer to it as um and i don't i'm not sure if you know a lot of people don't realize this even in in louisville you know the fleur-de-lis is a very um uh, it's a prominent symbol in louisville and those are lily flowers that are on the on the jersey and that's what a fleur-de-lis is that's what it means lily. yeah flowers.
0: yeah i did i did look that up you know because okay. i was like because I, I was like, are those roses like Run for the Roses? Can I and then I looked, I looked up. I was like, no, those are lilies. That's really yeah, cool. so
2: that and it's even Louisvillians don't understand necessarily that fleur-de-lis is French for lily flower. So, um, so that, right. that's where that came. From. And and all the credit to, to Matthew Wolfe. Uh, he we didn't give him any input on that. He just said, I've got a great idea. Let me see if I can make it work. And boy, did he ever.
0: Well, and even like in, in the away kits, which, you know, we know by league mandate have to be pretty simple. I still like that you've got, you know, the lavender shorts and just the lavender stripe on the side. Right. So that it's it's not an all white kit. Right. It's still got some Louisville flavor there.
2: It does. And it has the little lavender fleur de lis uh, on, the, on the shirt as well. Um, you have to look pretty closely, but they're there. And I tell you, we just designed our, uh, our away kits for next year. And and they are going to be really really cool. I'm really excited about them. They're still predominantly white, but but the the design is is really cool. Uh, I think the fans are going to eat them up.
0: Well, and how? I mean, that makes me think. How are merch sales going? Because I think that's always a really healthy sign of, of
2: you know the popular
0: yeah. women's soccer.
2: 25 percent ahead of budget um, so far, and that's and that's across both brands uh, for us. Um, but but both both sides we're, we're selling a lot of merchandise, which I, I credit to uh, we have a, a partner diehard fan supply that runs our merchandising for us. They've done a really good job. Um, it was hard for them. They joined us when we were in a baseball stadium and it was hard to set up merchandise. And then they went through a bad logo reveal. And so I had to, had to work through the, the, uh, the the merchandising on that. And then we finally got good branding and then we got hit with COVID. And so they've, they've been good partners and, and uh, now are finally able to show what they can do, which is put out, A lot of different kinds of merchandise that the fans like um and and the 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 income statement shows that
0: well brad i'm you know so thankful to have the, the chance to talk with you and hear all these great stories and you know so glad that we we've had you know new teams like this come into the league so keep up the good work and and keep growing that club
2: really appreciate the time it's been a pleasure thank you so much
0: All right, time to wrap it up with the back four. First off, NWSL returns this weekend with all 10 teams in action. Get this, two of the five games will be on CBS. All U.S. national team players will be back with their clubs, so we should see many of them play as well. Speaking of U.S. national team players, we will know the Olympic roster in the next week or so as the final squad will depart their NWCL clubs after the June 26 games. And then there will be two international friendlies in early July against Mexico before the team heads off to Tokyo. But meanwhile, before we get to the Olympics, hey, it's June, it's Pride Month, so there's lots of Pride merch available on nwslshop.com. Most of the club sites have their own club-specific merch. There's also good stuff on ussoccer.com. And, you know, be sure to check out the club's websites there, um... Most of them have some kind of pride promotional nights as well. Last but not least, if you haven't taken a look at my Keeper Notes NWCL almanac, you got to check it out. Nowhere else has all of this information all in one place. Uh, the most current edition has everything from 2013 through 2020. You can buy the print version, the PDF version, or both. Uh, it's on sale at keepernotes.com. Also, have a dash. Almanac as well and hope to be working on other ones in the future. Alright, that's it for this episode. Want to give a shout out, of course, to Roughneck Scarves and also IcarusFC.com for their support of the mix zone. Also, big shout out to my producer Sean Ringrose, whose own podcast you can check out at anchor.fm slash genorange. In that case, Jen is spelled G-E-N. And as always, thanks to the Beautiful Game Network for hosting this podcast. But now she's anybody's girl